Well, hello, 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 and perhaps I am the first to wish you a happy new year. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Thursday, December 31st, 2020, the final day of this year of years and the final Sco show of 2020. Not dropping any news on you there, kids, but this is our final show of the calendar year, not our final show of the 2020-2021 NFL season. Obviously, the Patriots will close things out on Sunday afternoon against the New York Jets in a game which is technically a game of football. Yeah. And I know I'm getting some questions about Adam Gase, quarterbacks coach in New England, and until I'm forced to address that, I won't. So there you go. But I did put out the call for mailback questions, and I did ask for some non-football questions. So we've got a couple to get to, but most people, they wanted to talk about the football. So we're going to talk about the football today. Before we do, your usual cavalcade of reminders to rent in the new year. Uh, Do check out the work. Follow along at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work. Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. The three different SB Nation websites, which you probably know by now. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit. And of course, Touchdown Wire, where yes, perhaps by the time you were listening to this, you were also reading along with Mock Draft 1.0. I'm going to get deeper into the Mock Draft stuff next week. Not this week. Next week. We'll talk about that stuff next week. But I did want to get to your questions and we kick it off with a non-football one because it's too good to ignore out of the gate. The one and only, the fabulous, the wonderful, the incredible Ian McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at I-A-N-C-M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Was Alan Rickman a greater villain in Die Hard or Love Actually? And this is a tremendous question. It's a fabulous question because let's remember both are Christmas movies. I am on them. I'm a member of Die Hard as a Christmas movie Twitter. And I, do, I also sort of go along with Trevor Sycamore's view of Christmas movies. If there's a Christmas scene, it's a Christmas movie. Miracle, there's a Christmas scene in there, Christmas movie. So, they're Christmas movies. Um, but this is a great question from Ian. Was Alan Rickman a bigger villain in Die Hard where he played a terrorist taking a building and its occupants hostage, executing somebody in cold blood? Or was he a bigger villain in Love Actually when he played the, the manager of a English not-for-profit but started to become smitten with his secretary and in just a, a heartbreaking sequence, and you can probably see where I'm going to come down on this question, he shops for a, a piece of jewelry. His wife finds it in his pocket before the holiday and believes, oh gosh, she's getting it from him. But then on Christmas Day, she opens up a Joni Mitchell CD. And then you cut to the scene of the secretary wearing the piece of necklace that he was shopping for. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. And so from where I sit, he's a bigger villain in love, actually. And I stand by that take. And perhaps it's because I'm a softy, but he was the bigger villain in love, actually. Next question from Lee Adano at A-D-A-N-O-L-E-E on the Bird app. Where is Lamar Jackson on his current career trajectory? The last four games have been encouraging. And yes, they have. They've absolutely been encouraging. Um, 
Baltimore has looked better in recent weeks. Um, early next week, you are going to see like an overreactions piece for me. If you haven't seen them, I do like an overreactions piece or two that drops like every Monday morning where I overreact. It, earlier in the year, I was just overreacting to the games. Now I'm sort of overreacting to bigger picture stuff. And what you'll see early next week are sort of my reactions to the statement that this playoff team is going to win the conference. Like, you know, this playoff team is going to win the AFC or this playoff team, the New Orleans Saints are going to win the NFC. And I sort of react to them as either a, a no reaction, no overreaction, minimal overreaction, huge overreaction. Um, it's it's kind of a different take on the whole overreaction than we see each Monday. And I was putting together the one for the AFC. I'm sort of pre-writing it because Sunday and Monday are going to be busy days. And the Ravens have been great. Won four straight. They put up 34 points, 47 points, 40 points, 20 points last week against the Giants. But I think if you're looking at Baltimore right now, it's hard to truly buy in because they put 34 on Dallas, a team with a losing record. 40 on Jacksonville, a team with a losing record. 27 on the Giants, a team with a losing record. The win against Cleveland obviously was great. Um, so it, I'm not really buying in on Baltimore this year. But since this question was more about Lamar Jackson, I still think Jackson is as dynamic and as talented as he gets at the position in the entire NFL. And if I'm putting together a roster and I have the opportunity to get Lamar Jackson as my quarterback, I'm doing it. What sort of has me wondering about the Ravens right now is the downfield passing game. He looks tentative, unsure, lack of confidence, whatever the reason. He's not taking some chances downfield when they present themselves in the vertical passing game. And that's part of the reason why in that mock draft, I'm sending them a downfield threat at wide receiver. I think Baltimore, Hollywood Brown has been a nice piece, but I don't think he's really the guy. They've got some questions around Jackson at the other wide receiver spots. And so I'm just wary of their downfield passing game right now because a lot of what they do is play action stuff, shot plays downfield. And if they're not taking and or hitting those shots, it's going to be tough. But I still think that Jackson is on that career arc where he's going to be one of the elite five, six guys that you want to have play a game for you if your life depends on it. So I wouldn't sort of overreact about Jackson. I might kind of shy away from picking the Ravens this playoff run. Jared Feinberg at J-Rod, Draft Scout, J-R-O-D, D-R-A-F-T-S-C-O-U-T. Let me just give a quick plug for Jared. Um, so I've gotten to know Jared well um, throughout this process, um, th this strange little business we're in. He's one of the guys that I think a ton of. Um, I'm excited to see him sort of grow and develop as a, a younger writer and evaluator, draft guy. Um, so if you don't follow Jared, this is my plug to follow Jared, follow his work. He's really smart, knows his position. We've done some videos together, like where he and I just get on the computer and just watch stuff. And we don't even produce content. We just watch stuff together and talk about what we're seeing. And he has a great eye for the game. So this is my plug for Jared. Um, where are you on Zach Wilson? If you have watched him, I've watched him. Son, I haven't, I haven't like fully completed my work on him. But I'll say this. I've been open about the fact that I don't think the Jets have to go quarterback at two. I don't necessarily think they need to. I think you could trade back. You could draft somebody else. I mean, I've said before, Penny Sewell and Mekhi Becton as your bookend tackles for the next 10 years don't matter who your quarterback is. You're going to be good. 
You might have the best pair of tackles in the league come two years from now. You could trade back and still get Penny Sewell. You could sit there and draft Jamar Chase. You could trade back and draft Devontae Smith and you know maybe another first-rounder, and you have two first-rounders to begin with. But in that mock that I did that is coming out soon that is more of a predictive mock, I gave them Zach Wilson. And the rise of Wilson is real. The rise of Wilson is legitimate. He has the athleticism, the arm, the talent, and all that stuff that you need in today's NFL. And my apologies there. My kids are home and screaming. It's been a year. Um, so yeah, I think Wilson is legitimate. And there are holes in his game to be sure. There's a reliance on athleticism and arm talent, which has perhaps hamstrung him at times and could be more of a problem as in it's a crutch for him going forward. But I'd buy in on him. You know, that's how I feel about him. Sterling Moore at Sterling Andrew underscore S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-A-N-D-R-E-W underscore rank the quarterbacks. Who would you want headed into 2021? Now, I can't give you the full 32-player quarterback ranking here because we don't have enough time. But I will say that the guys that I'm most excited about headed into 2021, obviously Patrick Mahomes still. Aaron Rodgers has been great this year. Josh Allen belongs in that conversation. I'm still excited about Lamar Jackson, as I talked about. Deshaun Watson is certainly in that mix, and I throw Russell Wilson in there as well. Which guy would I rather have? It kind of depends on where I am as an offense, where I am as an organization. If I want to win right now, I mean, really any of those guys, but probably Mahomes or Rodgers, given how they've played this year. And I know Mahomes, the interceptable passes and all that. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes, period. He opens up so many doors for you as an offense. And I'd put Russell in there too, as well as Deshaun. Really all of these guys. All of these guys I think are great. They've all had great years. It's been a joy to watch them all. I mean, look, I'm lucky. I get to walk downstairs into my office each morning, each Monday morning in particular, turn on the film and watch these guys play football and talk about it. And it's pretty cool. Um, but all those quarterbacks are great. It's, it's really hard to just rank them. But those are the guys that I think right now. I know Tom Brady has been very good. He has been elite at times this year. But he's my age. Like, I don't know. If they make a run, if they win a Super Bowl, and they could, does he really come back to see another season? A season in which at some point, you know, he's going to be 44? I don't know. So that's my thoughts on quarterbacks. We have more quarterback talk on the other side of this break. We're going to talk quarterbacks. We're going to talk, what else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about movies again. Uh, We're going to talk about evaluation, free agency, Arby's, and Michael Kist to close out the year here at the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back here with you on episode 162 of the Sco Show, the calendar year finale um, an early or perhaps an right on time. Happy New Year to all of you listening. Thank you so much for staying along, sticking along with the ride that has been this 2020 NFL season. Diving back into your questions, uh, John Lamaracus, I'm obviously saying his name a ton, always comes through with the questions at John A L I M B E R A K I S. When and how should the Patriots take a quarterback? Kind of an open end question. Are there scenarios where you would not want the Pats to go quarterback? Um, Is the team good enough that it makes sense to go quarterback? Just kind of an open-ended question about the quarterback position. And I've said it before. You'll see it again in the mock. I could come out. 
Kyle Pitts at their pick, whether it's 15, 16, 14, whatever, is what I've got them doing right now. Partly because I don't think any of the top guys will be there. The one that guy, guy that I can potentially see being there is Mac Jones. Um, but I don't think they need to force a pick a quarterback. I, I do think, and I know it will upset a lot of people, the plan sitting here right now that I envision them using is getting Cam Newton back on a cheap one-year deal and seeing if they can make something out of this with a full you know, training camp preseason, maybe with life back to normal next summer. And then having some sort of plan B, whether it's a, a free agent or it is a rookie that they take sometime on day two, maybe a Mac Jones if he falls, maybe a Kyle Trask, Desmond Riddler. Like there are guys that are getting some buzz that you could see them sort of getting excited about. But there are a lot of other holes. And this could be the approach where you fill in some of the other pieces around that player and then get them eventually, whether it's 2021, 2022, I don't know. Um, but they need upgrades at tight end. They need upgrades at wide receiver. They need some help on the defensive side of the ball too, whether it's up front or potentially in the secondary, depending on what they do with Stephon Gilmore. And so I don't think you have to force it. I know there's going to be a lot of people clamoring for them to just period, full stop, go get a quarterback. And there's some wisdom to that, right? You haven't picked this high recently you could potentially depending on how things shake out sunday get into the top 10 if everything breaks your way so to speak you've got some draft capital if you've got some cap space use the cap space to fill in those pieces take that draft capital and get up to go get a guy like why not if you've thought about it in previous years like they potentially were rumored to be thinking about it in 2018 perhaps baker mayfield then why not take that swing now the problem is there are so many quarterback needy teams and there's so much of that to shake out with the potential quarterback carousel that it might just be too tough to do it. And so you address other needs. Um, but they have options, which I think is good. I've talked about that before. Whenever you have different pathways to do it, that's a good thing. Alistair at H-R-T-I-N-K-E-R on the Twitter machine. Hope you had a good Christmas. Back to you, my friend. My question for the mailbag this week, what is the greatest Christmas film of all time? Is it Die Hard, Love Actually, or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Um, those are all three good options. I would throw Muppets Christmas Carol in there as another favorite of mine. I would take, while they're all good picks, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I'll put to the side. Die Hard, I will also put to the side because it is a Christmas movie, but I like these other two better. Love Actually, Muppets Christmas Carol, and for me, it's Muppets Christmas Carol. It's the one that I watch, period every year. Now, I will say that Love Actually does have a special sort of place in my heart. Like I from the second I saw it, I loved it. And part of that is also the fact that as you can tell from somebody that loves a Christmas carol, I love London. Like I've only been there once. It's one of those few places on earth that even though I'm terrified to fly, like if you were telling me in tomorrow that yes, in the midst of COVID and all of this, I got you a trip to London, I'm on a plane. Like I will find a way to make it happen. Um, London is just a special place to me in that entire movie with all the scenes of London. I love it. Handing in our bedroom is a, you know, painting of the London skyline. Um, it's one of my favorite places. So love actually for me is that movie. I love it. Um, so I love those two hard to pick between the two. I'll lean Muppets Christmas Carol because of the deeper story and my infatuation with that book. But those are two fantastic films. Uh, from YZ at J-A-M-O-W-I-S-E. Which of the pendant-free agents do you think they will resign? This is about the New England Patriots. And which do you think they will let walk? And 
that's we go as much as we love to focus on the draft. You got to start in free agency, and they have some serious question marks. Here's their current list of unrestricted free agents. It's deep. I'm only going to hit the like the top names, okay? Because there are guys at the bottom of this list, like you know Brian Hoyer, Nick Folk. Those are some names that stand out. But Joe Tooney, Jason McCourty, James White, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, David Andrews, Rex Burkhead, Jermaine Illuminor, John Simon, Cam Newton, Damier Bird. That's a pretty hefty list. Guys I'd like to see back are obviously Tooney, Guy, and Butler. I think those guys are huge. David Andrews as well. Look, if you have to replace Joe Tooney and David Andrews on your offensive line, that's a problem. And so I think they have to find a way to get those guys back. But, you know, Tooney's going to command a big deal. The Cam Newton question is out there as well. I mean, of the guys sitting here watching this, I think they need to get back. Joe Tooney, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, David Andrews. I think those are the must. Cam Newton is a strong maybe. Obviously, the quarterback situation, we've talked about it. Um, guys, I'm also intrigued by Jason McCourty and James White. Um, White is kind of a glue to this Patriots running back room, does so many different things for them, especially if you know, you're know you moving on from Gilmore. I think you want to keep Jason McCourty in the fold, but they have some serious decisions to make in terms of free agents, and so you know those are going to be some of the first dominoes to fall, and it's going to be important to keep up with that. Uh, Banged up Bills at Banged up Bills on Twitter. Looking at the NFL landscape now, is there any sort of parent in a division that is currently or shaping up to have such a lopsided mismatch like the Bills and Patriots experience for the better part of two decades? I'm not so sure. I mean, there's so much player movement and so much parity that sort of gets forced to us. Um, you know, the only way I could see this sort of happening. You know, and I guess there's a couple of different ways it could sort of play out. But I, I look at the AFC South because there could be a lot of movement in that division. If the Jaguars get everything right with the cap space and the capital they have, they could be good for a long time. You know, if Trevor Lawrence pans out, if they nail it with the rest of the picks and the cap space, they could be very good. And you could see a team like Indianapolis sort of trending in the other direction. Phil Rivers, questions about quarterback and things like that. So that could be a situation. And another one might be, I look out west in the AFC, Kansas City and Denver, right? Denver has to figure out quarterback. It doesn't look like Drew Locke is the guy. If they miss on quarterback again, that team could remain bad for a while. Kansas City still looks very good. So that could be sort of another situation. I don't know if you're going to see another like 25-year run or something like that like New England had, but you know, a five- or six-year run, seven-year run, eight-year run, that could certainly be possible next question we're going to to talk about here scanning through my list here from chip mail at csm number three d on the twitter machine do you expect belichick to retire after the season and what pathway do you see the patriots taking as far as quarterback for belichick i don't see him retiring anytime soon i think he still wants to win especially with the way the season has gone i doubt that he'd say look i'm done i'm going to leave after this I think he's competitive enough, has that fire, and he's going to want to come back and prove that it wasn't Tom Brady. So I don't see him retirement, retiring anytime soon. You know, as for the quarterback position, I think Cam Newton on a short-term deal with some viable plan B, whether a rookie or a free agent, I think that's the way they go, uh, but I'm not positive. I could completely be wrong. Next question is from Joe Geogogan. I know I butchered that. At G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N-J-O-E, the number two. 
A great season of podcasts. Really enjoy the analysis. What's a good resource to learn more about offensive, defensive formations and concepts? Cheers. And a cheers back to you, Joe. Thanks for the question. I would start, and this is selfish in a way, but the Inside the Pylon Gallery that is still up at InsideThePylon.com. Um, you can check out a ton of stuff there with video examples, playbook examples, in terms of like formations and concepts and things like that. I would recommend, I talk about that stuff all the time, as you could probably guess. Um, so usually if you read something of mine, it's going to have some stuff in there, particularly the videos I do on Twitter. I get kind of deep into the weeds on concepts, on coverage rules, on things like that. So if you can sit through the Boston accent, and if you're listening to the show, you probably can, you can watch those and learn some stuff. Uh, Ted Wynn over at The Athletic, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're on the fence about an athletic subscription, um, get it, because Ted's worth it. Ted's worth it for that alone. Um, you'll learn stuff from him. He has what he calls sort of teaching tape Tuesdays, where he does some stuff, um, breaks down concepts. I learn a ton from that. Um, there are good people to follow on Twitter. Um, you know, James Light, for example, uh, Evan Lazar does some stuff like that. If you're into like defense and run fits, Maddie F. Brown is tremendous. Um, Benjamin Solak does videos. He's great. Seth Galina does some video work. He's great. If you can handle sometimes when he goes a little bit off the, well, let's put it this way. Sometimes this guy that I'm going to mention next will, will go on tangents and have these, these little crusades, like his anti-Zach Thomas crusade, which he backs up with film. But bets at all 22, all spelled out A-L-T-W-E-N-T-Y-T-W-O. He's always posting clips, coverage rules, run fits, all sorts of smart stuff. The guy knows the game inside and out. Um, follow bets. Um, it plus, look, he can be hilariously funny at times. And so, look, I, I follow Betts. I learn a ton from the stuff that he does. I'm always bookmarking his tweets for, like, stuff I want to go back and check. Um, so there are smart people to follow on Twitter. Brandon Thorne, um, he's certainly smart. Nate Tice, um, he does the athletic podcast uh, with Robert Mays every Monday. Nate backed up Russell Wilson of Wisconsin. You know, his dad was an NFL coach, Mike Tice. Nate is brilliant about the game of football. And one of the smarter guys I know covering this game uh, Matt Waldman, obviously. Doug Farrar. Doug Farrar wrote The Genius of Desperation. Like, buy his book if you haven't already. Like, there are so many smart people out there that follow on Twitter. And YouTube is a tremendous resource. Like, you can spend money and buy coaching clinics, and I've done that, like, on CoachTube and elsewhere. Um, but you can you, you can fill in a lot of the blanks with YouTube because there are coaching clinics out there. And I would be an idiot if I didn't mention uh, Chris Vassour, at Coach Vass on Twitter, host of the Make Defense Great Again podcast. Um, I've learned so much from Vass. Like, there are so many people that I could rattle off here. Um, I'm sure I missed, like, dozens, if not hundreds of people that you should follow on Twitter. Uh, Vass will recommend Kyle Kogan, who's a coach in Kansas, high school football coach. I've been watching Kyle's clinics. I was doing some watching some stuff on single high coverages. He's got a run-fit clinic that I want to study this summer. Um that's something I saw on Coach too, but follow him on Twitter. Like there are really so many smart football people on Twitter. Um, if you're ever if you're listening to this show and you want some more recommendations in addition to the ones I've seen, like shoot me a DM and and I'll get you some names and some people to follow. Um, two more questions to close it out, and I did sort of want to end these on non-football things. Um, Go Birds eighty five at J Z E L L eight five the number eight five. What's your final? RB's 2020 tab. Um, 
and I actually went back and kind of went through some credit card statements to put this together. Um, it doesn't have a comma. I'll say that. Um, but it's north of three digits. I will also say that, believe it or not. Um, I like a beef and cheddar. I do. It's good. Horsey sauce. Curly. What's not to love about Arby's? They have all the meats. And yes, it's become a bit of a brand, a bit of a run and joke. You know, nothing matters. Eat at Arby's. It's become a run and joke in my family between my, my, my wife and I. Like the four of us that we've been together since March or so, pretty much every day. Yes, every day. And, you know, I will say that, you know, my experience is probably different from everybody else's, but, you know, the sort of lockdown quarantine and all this stuff, like it's been trying at times, but it's been fun at other times. Like the fact that my family, the four of us still like each other, I think that's pretty cool. So we got that going for us, which is nice. But yeah, I mean, there will be moments when like the kids are going crazy and the last thing we want to do is clean or empty the dishwasher or whatever item on the to-do list we have to do and my wife and I would just look look at each other and say Arby's like yeah it's a running joke but I guess my running tab at Arby's is a joke too and I was gonna end it there um, because I thought what better way to end this year than imploring everybody to just eat at Arby's because nothing matters Um, but then there was a final question submission that I thought was too perfect um, and it does give me a chance to talk about something a bit more meaningful than what I have been. And that's from Adrian, who was on Twitter at Mr. Chiagi at M-R-C-H-A-G-I. Has Michael Kist been given his 12 pieces of silver yet? And yes, that is obviously a reference to Kist becoming an executive man and leaving me over at the QB Factory, the podcast we host together over at Bleeding Green Radio, Bleeding Green Nation. And no, he's not a trainer. Um, I couldn't be prouder of Mike. Uh, Mike's a tremendous human being. And look, he can be funny on Twitter. He can be different on Twitter. But there's a small list of people that have legitimately gone to bat for me and like backed it up. Doug Farrar, Dan Hatman, Matt Waldman, everybody over at ITP back in the day. Like I wouldn't be here if it weren't for people like Chuck Zotta and, and Dave Archibald and the countless Phil Kibbe, Dave M back in the day, you know, the, the, the countless people that helped me get to where I am. And Mike's on that list. Like Mike is a dear, legitimate friend, like period, full stop. One of those people that has gone to bat for me, has put food on my table. And one of those people that if he called me right now and said, look, I need something, I'm on the next plane. Like I'm doing whatever I can do to do to help him. Um, and that's kind of, I wanted to end with that question because this industry can be tough. This job can be tough, even though, like I said, I get to watch football and write about it. It can be tough. You can deal with imposter symbol syndrome like I do all the time when I get on Twitter and I read something from one of those countless names I just rattled off and I'm just like, I can't, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough at this. Like, I'm handing on for dear life. I'm that duck on the pond that looks calm, that's paddling like mad below it because I just know that my time is running short here. There are people smarter than me coming up. J-Rod Draft Scout, Jared Feinberg, who I just mentioned, might take my job someday, and I get it. That's the way this game works, and I'm just trying like how to, to stay in it as long as I can because I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I don't want to do any of that stuff. It almost killed me once. I can't let it happen again. And there are times when I'm, 
beaten down by this, but one of the people that's always there to pick me back up is Mike. Period. Full stop. He's a legitimate dear friend. I think the world of him and to see him go from where he started to now like an executive producer at Vox, it's tremendous to see. I could not be happier for him as a friend, as a person, as a human. I think the world of him, it's so great to see and it is legitimately an inspiration, but I wouldn't be here if not for him. I, He's an executive producer at Vox. This is a show on the Vox Podcast Network. Like put the pieces together, kids. I think the world of them. And so my closing thought, it's kind of this. It's been a brutal year. And like I joked earlier, like I saw it on Twitter, nobody's going to be writing the wrong dates on checks come Friday morning. It's been tough. And I know a lot of you out there, I've had people reach out to me, people that, you know, reached out to me privately, even if it's not even football related or whatever, that... It's been hard on people, and I and I understand that. And be thankful for what we do have, I guess, is sort of my closing mention, because for a lot of people this holiday season, there were empty tables, there were empty chairs, there were holes that will never be filled in again. And that some some of you might be in that situation, and I am terribly sorry. And I wish this year had been so different. I wish 2020 had been something that we wouldn't have to tell our kids and our grandkids about. I wish 2020 would be something that we could have celebrated in a much different way. I wish 2020 could have been a year where we could have hugged our loved ones more. It's been hard. Um, But it's allowed me to appreciate what I do have. It's allowed me to appreciate the relationships I've been able to build and the people that have meant something to me along the way. And like many of you, I always make resolutions. And for me, the resolution has always been to be better, to be a better writer, be a better podcast host, be a better father, son, brother, husband, son-in-law. Like, those are the things that I always try to be better at each year. This year, this resolution, this year my resolution is to cherish it more. Because I'm a damn lucky guy, and I get it. And this year has driven that home. Because it could have been a lot different for me. I'm grateful every second of every waking day that I haven't had to deal with stuff like this that other people, perhaps those of you out there listen to, have. And for those of you that have had those struggles, that have had those moments this year, I am truly sorry. If there's anything I can do, please reach out. It's been tough, but we look ahead to 2021 with the promise of hope. And the NFL draft, in a way, is sort of packaged hope. I've said that before. And New Year's Day is packaged hope, too. Yes, it's commercialized and it's a big thing, but as with everything else in 2020 and into 2021, it'll be different this year. It isn't about celebrations or ball drops or noisemakers or champagne or anything else. It's about the hope that next year really will be better. And I know deep in my heart, it will be. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening every day this year. Stay safe, everybody. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.